Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um, joining me this evening, we have Rory Baldwin. Good evening, Rory. Good evening. Uh, we also have with us Ian here. Now, Ian, I've got a surprise for you. Lovely. I've done I've done you a jingle, your very own jingle. <laughs> oh, Do you want to hear um, it? Uh, of course. Here we go. And I'm hoping we can I'd turn it in a reg I'm hoping we can turn it in a regular feature as well. This does it include calling me a rude word? It doesn't know you're okay. Oh, you're fine. Right, Here we go. So this is this is Ian's new jingle, and we're gonna try I'm gonna see if we can turn this into a regular feature. What's he gonna make up today? We just don't know what he's gonna say. He's a man of refreshing candor. It's time for Ian's Xander Slander. Xander Slander. I, I thought we could make this a regular thing where you make up you make up one lie a week about a Scottish rugby, someone from Scottish rugby, and we keep, and we keep going until they shut down. Yeah. Well, we it was fine. If we say it's a lie, I think we're okay because it's that's. Uh, I think we're yeah. fine because we're, we're, we're accepting it's a lie. Any lawyers out there, please let us know if this is in fact the case. I mean, if it if it clearly you know is edging towards the area of satire, then I don't I don't see what the problem is. Hang on a wee second, I'm getting shouted at. <laughs> Ian getting shouted at. That was this week's Slander Slander. I've even done you an outro, Ian, as well. <laughs> So yeah, we're going to try and make we're going to try and make that we'll try and make that regular feature. I should have given you notes so you could have thought out the first bit of Xander slander. Yeah, you know, there's um, I have, I have a, a series of things I'm working through. Just uh, <laughs> need to put up reliable backstories for them all. Um, <laughs> well, well, it would be the fun if he if he had time to plan it in advance. Yeah, it's better when they're off the cuff. <laughs> yes, right. yeah, but but then they're probably more likely to be illegal. Yeah. <laughs> they're riskier. Yeah, Finn Russell was behind the grass in all there. That's the, that can be this week's Xander Slander. It's pl- playing on the edge, but um, you know I'm not a back row, so you know I, sh- I shouldn't yeah. do it this time. Uh, we've got if people can watch us live uh, while we record the podcast now. So uh, Sam Marsh says that was slightly disconcerting. Um, while well, Sam, we got that every week now with Xander Slander every time Ian's on. Um, and Martin Bell assures us that mere abuse is not defamatory. Which we might talk about in Hands in the Rock. I don't know. We'll come to that later on. Um, I think there's a diff- different difference between you know abuse and suggesting that someone is the leader of an international drugs cartel. Um, yeah, but that's... So, I don't think that's abuse as such. You know, abuse is rudder. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's move on from Xander Slander this week. Um, you can watch us live every week on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, and some various other places. You can find details of that on the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. We're on Twitter at scottrugbyblog or at Cami Black, or is it at Ian Hayne82? Uh, yes. With two I... two eyes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yes, if not you... Lane. Definitely not Lane. Not Lane. Not Lane Hayne. My visa. Um, you can also, if you want um, to download this podcast without adverts in it, because um, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and various other places. But if you want it without the adverts, you can sign up for our Patreon for £3 a month. Um, and in return, you get ad-free versions of the podcast. You also get um, mini pods where we cut out things like Xander Slander, Hands in the Ruck and all the nonsense we talk. And you just get the main bit, which is about 40 minutes of the hour and a half that we, we do. Yeah. 
Um, and you can also get exclusive content as well. So at the minute, um, Ian, John, and I, and whoever's around are doing we match previews this month uh, as soon as the teams are announced. So we can go in a bit more detail for about 20 minutes, half an hour or so. So you get bonus episodes as well. So if you go to patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast, you can sign up to that. Uh, just like Jamie Gervin, who has signed up for £10 a month. So if you pay £5 or more a month, then you get your name shouted out on the podcast. You're in the Doogie Donnelly, Donnelly Members Lounge um, and, and one of the more elite members, and you get your name shouted out on the podcast for that. Um, we were also brought to you in partnership with Manscaped.com, um, who um, are a company, American company, that produces male grooming products, trimmers for your downstairs areas. So if you go to Manscaped.com slash Scottish Rugby, you get 20% off all their products plus free shipping. We think we've got that in place until the end of this month. So if you've been hanging back, waiting to trim your balls until, you know, April when everything opens up again and you want 20% off, then don't wait. Get it get it ordered now before before they drop us. And we have to find some new sponsorship. And you can smell fresh as a daisy for when the cattle market reopens. Exactly. Get yourself get yourself in good nick for when you're, you know, when you have you, you're standing outside in the pub beer garden socializing with people again get yourself smelling fresh get socializing that's yeah. what we're calling it now <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're calling it now yeah um so um we start with a little bit of news um there's been various bits of going on i mean um glasgow have signed someone they've sound, signed an argentinian um sebastian cancellari 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 What's a conciliere? Is that like a French waiter? Yeah, it's, no, it's like, like a um, fancy receptionist kind of. I was going to say it's like Frankie Knuckles or one of these guys in The Sopranos who's like, what's yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, so I'm fixer. thinking of. Like the, the right hand man. Uh, I'm thinking of concierge. Conciliere is, is your. your <laughs> Robert, that's your uh, Robert Duval. Robert Duval, yeah. Uh, Not the Fredo, is it? It's the Duval character, isn't it? The fixer. Somebody who's generally useful rather than a loose cannon, I think usually. Well, hopefully, hopefully that'll be uh, that'll be the case with uh, Sebastian. Con- well, we'll just call him Concierge from now on. Then I call him Tony Soprano. Something yeah. Like. Um, so he's twenty-seven. He's come. From, what are, are the um, Haguares? Are they no more now? Is that the? Uh, no, they're they're playing in Argentina. There is a. a... A variation of the Jaguares uh, that are playing in Argentina. I can't mind the name of the league. Um, it'll be on. But they're not in Super Rugby anymore, are they? So essentially, all no. the pro Argentinian players are having to find contracts elsewhere. Yeah, I think he's Glasgow have also signed the young fly half as well, haven't they? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Miota. Yeah. I don't think anyone's in Super Rugby anymore, really, are they? They've all kind of <laughs> gone their own separate ways. They've all yeah, shut the, the borders, put up the barriers. The, the music lack of rugby. The music stopped in South Africa. We're left holding the Pro 14. Yeah. We'll come on to South Africa later on in the podcast when we do Lions chat. Um, elsewhere, um, we've had this as a hands in the rugby. We might as well talk about it now. Is They've announced the fixtures for the Women's Six Nations. Well, they haven't announced the fixtures. They've announced the opening fixtures for the Women's Six Nations. So um, Scotland are playing England on Saturday the 3rd of April. It's a 3pm kickoff um, at um, in Doncaster. I think they are playing um, on the 17th of April. Um, 
they have a week off before playing the final pool match against Italy at Scotland on the 17th of April. Um, it's the, There's no broadcast rights being announced, though, I don't think. Oh, no, hang on. They're shown across full digital services in the UK. There we go. UK, Ireland and Italy with the BBC Wales showing the Wales versus Ireland match in the final game involving England being shown on the BBC Two, meaning a Six Nations game will be shown on the main network for the first time. All other games will be on the iPlayer. So you can watch on the iPlayer, but I think um, it was uh, Kelly who writes for the blog who got in touch saying it's it's all a bit last minute and it seems a bit of an afterthought. This is just kind of, there you go, you can start playing again. And I guess kind of the lockdown, the kind of last minute lifting of the lockdown restrictions and the fact that apart from England, everyone else is still amateur is going to play into that, Ian, I guess. Um, yeah, I had to. I'd seen that uh, Emma Wassell had tweeted about this, but she'd retweeted Stephen Jones, and of course, I'm blocked. Well, so. we're all blocked by Stephen Jones. Yeah, I'm yep. blocked too. Part of and you're nice, Rory. Rory's nice. So I, do, I don't even know what to be honest. I, do, I have a sneaking suspicion of why possibly I did. I think I did make a comment about 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 the size of his head on uh, in a tweet once. <laughs> I think. I'd, <laughs> Because I, I was sat behind it in the press stick. That's probably why I've never been allowed back. <laughs> yeah, so we, we know that one game's happening, which is my birthday, by the way. Uh, but that's, that's the thing, because um, you know, yesterday Facebook was saying that I should start some kind of fundraiser, charity fundraiser thing, probably so they can take a cut of it as well. And um, the fact is, you know, some algorithm has decided they can do this for me before a major top-tier international tournament. Is arranged uh, involving people who, oh, France and England, who are professional sports people, and some of, obviously some of Scotland's players are as well, and, and what have you. Um, so yes, it is very last minute, and uh, I mean it's. I mean the Six Nations aren't really covering themselves in glory here in terms of contingency plans and, and rescheduling because, you know, it's. Well, I'm sure we'll get on to the player release stuff soon, but mm-hmm. I mean even regard. Disregarding that, the fact of the matter is, it was what was it six days before we actually knew that the game had been was going to get played on on Friday. Yep. Um. So, yeah, it's been a bit. It's been a shambles from head to toe. Yeah, and then we've got. So you've you've essentially got. You know, we don't know when. I suppose the Scottish rugby would be made aware, Rory, that the women's championships going ahead. I think because it's of its amateur status, you would imagine there'd be minimal training is going to have been allowed. Whereas I think the, the Premier 15s based players would would have more training because I think that started last weekend or the weekend just gone. But it does seem all very rushed and a bit of a missed opportunity given it's not parallel to the Six Nations this time. It's its own standalone tournament, which is feels a bit of a missed opportunity not to give it more of a push. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were sort of, because when they postponed it, I kind of just assumed that they were going to postpone it till the summer, not till the week after the other ones finished. You know, there's still plenty of issues around player release around. Obviously, there's not going to be any crowds. Um, people are going to have to do, you know, testing and all sorts of things like that. And uh, yeah, I think they just, um, they could have pushed it back a wee bit further. Give, um, you know, as you say, there's still, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of the players around the tournament are going to be semi-professional or amateur. And you know you can't you can't really give them that little warning to expect them to go and play test match rugby. Yeah, to um, especially to kind no, of ma- no matter condition. how many, yeah, how, ma- how no many how many home gy- you know how much of a home gym setup they've got, they probably don't have a home gym setup like Stuart Hogg has. Or yeah, 
So it's um, Saturday, the third of April. You've got um, the, the, um, England v Scotland, um, and then the seventeenth is Scotland v Italy, and then there's the the basically they're playing in two pools: is Pool A and Pool B, and then you play Scotland will play their equivalent in Pool A. So whatever equivalent of their final position, um, they'll play them on Saturday, the twenty fourth of April. So it's a reduced tournament in that not everybody's playing everybody. Mm. Um. So we shall see. We'll cover it on the. We, you know, we, we'll talk about it. all the games are on the iPlay, so we we will cover that on on the podcast and and maybe a little bit on the blog as well. Um, elsewhere in the news, um, have um, we? Mike Adamson has been appointed referee for the Pro Fourteen final, which well surprised Mike. me. But I'm mean, just well done, Mike. I mean, it's good that he's. I, it just yeah. I mean, I've, he's a good referee, but he doesn't. I'm, no, I don't want to criticise him because he's done very well, obviously, to, to make it to a national level and do what it is. I'm not even sure he's the best referee in Scotland at the minute because I quite like Sam Grove White. I, I'm an HD fan myself. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think she's the best ref. Um, from, oh, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. From watching you know, Premiership and Super Six, and you know, just the, the few times I've seen her live or even on telly. Um. Maybe it's just because I'm biased. I, I I tend to think that Mike Adamson to try and prove that he's not Glasgow bias gives Edinburgh a bit of a, an easy time. But mm-hmm. again, that's because I'm biased. So, <laughs> but it's Munster and Leinster, so who cares really? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, really having, just... having Mike Adamson in charge of the game is going to wind up the Munster fans and the Leinster fans equally. So, sort of, it, it gives <laughs> it gives yeah. us some skin in the game. I think it's just to Should avoid even more inter-Irish rivalry because. Um, the other week I was talking on some podcast and Frank Murphy, uh, as soon as, because I've been talking about Adam Hastings getting red carded, uh, as soon as the Northern Irish guy joined in the call, he told us talking about Frank Murphy. He's like, is that you talking about Frank Murphy? Oh, let, let me tell you about Frank Murphy. <laughs> 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 but I, I don't think um, I don't think he's well loved anywhere. Um, I don't think a lot of the referees are loved anywhere, apart from Nigel Owens. Um, Nigel Owens. No, well, he's still just bringing on, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See, I would have thought they'd better give him a wee send off for that, mm. like a final, a final hurrah. And the um, well, oh, they're probably going to give him. They're going to give him Champions Cup final, aren't they? Do you think? They will, mm. if it actually gets played, of course. Well, there's that, isn't there? Um, Glasgow, there, yeah. yeah, Glasgow and Ember both played at the weekend as well. Um, Ian, you did a mash report on the Glasgow game. I mean, I mean the, the Rufus McLean try was absolutely superb. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I was making strange noises when that was happening. It was, it was, it was like uh, Hog Vietley try all over again. And yeah, it was, it was just a sensational finish. You know, he steps outside three players in the, in the space of a phone box and then jets because Ashton Hewitt had been really threatening for dragons before and you know how quick he is mm. and he just stepped him and made him you know look pedestrian uh yeah. he's uh he's shown some real i've, I've said i'm not going to use the term he's got wheels uh he's got gas and jets uh you know he, i think once he you know he maybe slightly butchered opportunity the other week but he has that pace that, that, that's just mm. deadly yeah, um, he's still that, very young as well. Twenty-two. Is he yeah. twenty-two? 
there's a bunch of under twenty ones last week. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of potential. Uh, but again, it was scrappy and disciplined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of yellow cards. It's actually quite strange. I, I was um, uh, Russ Petty, who does a bunch of stats on Twitter. I saw he'd done a Pro 14 sort of table of average penalties conceded and stuff like that. Um, so it wasn't t- fully in-depth, but if you look at terms of um, metres made, average penalties conceded and whatnot, uh, Glasgow's stats actually aren't that horrific. It's just that it's just what's clearly obvious is that we are really profligate once we get into scoring areas and when we give away penalties, we give away ones which are needless, reckless and lead to cards. Because I think we've now got the worst disciplinary record in the competition. Mm. Um, but average penalty conceded according to these stats, but it's only 11 a game which was kind of average. You know, it wasn't certainly wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst. Um, but yeah, it's just been a, one of those, well, it, it's got slightly better because it couldn't have got much worse to begin with, um, with some of the new guys coming in. Uh, but no, it's just the, the defending has been a best moment we've conceded at crucial times uh, mm. frequently. It's that thing, though, isn't it? I suppose that we've we've said before in the podcast. It's a bit of a dead rubber as a season, unless you're Leinster. So it's it's. I suppose for both teams, it's been good to see um, the coaches. Probably Glasgow more than Ember. But I don't know. If that's out of necessity. Use the youngsters a bit more. I mean, maybe that you know Glasgow could have used a few more. There's I'm not sure how many games Stafford McDowell or Robin likes of Robin Nairn have got, but at the same time. They've made, you know, they had, Rufus McLean's had a decent run and we've seen the two young 10s, both Glasgow and Ember, get a bit more of a run. that you, you And, and the, maybe we wouldn't have the luxury to do that in past seasons, Rory. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly under Dave Rennie, Glasgow had a bit of a, you know, they had a bit of a problem where he was sort of playing guys like Nick Grigg into form enough so that they're getting picked for Scotland. But the there was a he wasn't bringing on as many young players as, as everyone had kind of hoped. And, you know, there's there's sort of that age gap now in at Glasgow that when the internationals away, you've got the kind of old war horses like Rob Harley, Ryan Wilson, and then there was a little bit of well, what's filling what's filling in the gap because you've got these these guys, a lot of whom are very young, very inexperienced. And uh, to his credit, I think Danny Wilson just said, well, screw it, we'll give him a game. And, you know, it's, it seems to be working, you know, for, for a couple of the guys likes of... Uh, Rufus McLean, who we've talked about, Ross Thompson as well. Um, I mean, you know, we've seen pushing through to the international level, the, the ones that, that did get games at a young age, like um, Xander Fagerson, who've pushed through onto the international stage and, and been good enough. Uh, Darcy Graham's another good example of somebody who's, who's kicked on pretty young. And obviously, you know, Stuart Hogg was pretty pretty young when he burst onto the scene. So I think, yeah, that, that old the old saying, if they're old enough, they're good enough. It's not been one that we've particularly stuck to in Scotland over the years, but I think we've kind of realised that, you know, the, the, certainly with kind of budgets tightening everywhere else, um, you know, the bringing on the young young players is a, a good way to make the most of your, your money. 
I have enjoyed the fact that, that Gregor Townsend has basically called Rob Harley into the international camp every single week, presumably just to beast everybody else and get them used to, get them kind of like conditioned to the opposition and then release them back to Glasgow every weekend. He's, he's your pretend Peter Manny. <laughs> There's a riot and, and Chief, Chief, Chief Wiggum's kind of like singing off-key to the attack dogs. <laughs> That's how I imagine that Gregor Townsend does. It just winds Rob Harley up something. Rob t- takes all these periodicals and all these journals away from him. So he gets really wound up, releases it on the training pitch to beat everybody up and say, right, that's what you're going to be up against at the weekend. Right, Rob, off you go back to Glasgow. <laughs> Your work here is done. Uh, and Countdown at Rocks as well. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, and the Ember game then, I mean, uh, Ember maybe haven't, I mean, they've, 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 certainly with a, um, Nathan Chamberlain giving him a run of games, it maybe got a bit more, not in the same situation in, in Glasgow, and that there's maybe a bit more stability there with Richard Cockrell as coach. So they've, he's, you, you know, it's not a new coach coming in having to undo what the previous coach has done or hasn't done. But they're, you know, the, there is still a kind of sense, Rory, that that Ember kind of regenerating into something different, or having to kind of go through a, a bit of a change. Um, I think there's certainly we'd like them to regenerate into something a little different. I think you know there was a big boost when Cockrell took over. You know he pulled that pack together and made them made the monsters, and but you you know you don't see that as much now, possibly as a kind of a side effect of him having made those guys so successful that more of them are called up for the Scotland team than perhaps were in the past. Um, I mean, in attack, Edinburgh still look a little bit kind of 2000 Scotland. I don't know if I said this last time, but I'm, I may have done. I'm, I'm sticking by it because watching the game uh, the game yesterday, they were still uh, still a little that way. It, it, they're sort of, they're like a team of, they're, they're, the backs certainly seem like a team of individuals. It's like each one of them is going to try and create something a little moment burst the line by themselves and create something. Um, you see, like Roni Sao doing that, um, or uh, James Johnson, and I mean, to their credit, guys like Damian Hoyland, he was doing it. He did it, set up a you know a really nice try there, and uh, Bill Mata, obviously, you know we know how quality he is, but um, they don't. They still look a little kind of odds and sods in in attack. They're not like a kind of they're not one guy's flooding through the line and everyone's supporting them. Uh, I mean, it's George Taylor looked, looked pretty good. He got uh, two tries. Um, and the defense, the defense is, was pretty solid. Um, the, you know, the tries that Cardiff had to score were, were kind of, were, were pretty good ones, but um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're sort of missing, they're missing guys like Watson and Van der Merwe who just, who can put them on the front foot and give them a little bit more time to time to think, I think in the face of a, Face of a strong defence, Edinburgh. They're still not quite. Their attacks not quite firing yet. I suppose the big worry for Edinburgh at the minute, and I'll move on to the other game in a minute. But I do want to spend a bit of time with Edinburgh because we get accused of not doing that sometimes on this podcast. But um, th- there have been rumours recently that Richard Cockrell's being approached by other clubs in France and England to go and coach elsewhere. And you see a lot in his press conferences him talking about not having the availability of players during the international window and you know, the, the kind of restrictions of working within Scotland, which I think to, early on, maybe he enjoyed kind of that challenge and he's definitely built something in Ember, but you wonder whether or not, you know, he, he's done a 
good enough job at Edinburgh and whether or not he just says, well, you know, unless the, you know, Gregor Townsend has got hold of the top job because that's the, you know, that's the national progression in Scotland, right? You get the Edinburgh job and then you get the Scotland job when the other guy isn't good enough um, that, that he goes. And that might leave Edinburgh, I suppose, in a, in a difficult position because you're not going to get a coach of that calibre again, Ian. See, I don't know, I've, I've not been on the last few um, club press conference calls, but I mean, previously this season, Richard Cockrell has been, um, you know, just very diplomatic and, uh, and seemingly understanding of the situation regarding possible recruitment and, you know, where, where the club are um, with those players that they have. Uh, know, but he also, he, he seems to really love the club. He, I think he mm. He said the contract extension just recently, so I think he'd, yeah. he'd have to be bought out. Um, and he does seem to think that he has a project here. Uh, and this year is maybe just getting treated as a... Not a gap year. You know, he's not a uni student or anything. Um, but just a year where he's, he's not been able to make the progressions that he would like to have done. Um, I think as well, like, obviously, with the issues with John Rolands getting a, a, a visa... Um, They've been really hamstrung at ten because, I mean, because of the way Edinburgh play, you know, it's it's not a sort of fast, free flowing game which maybe the younger Scottish tens get shown. So maybe Chamberlain needed a bit more time to bed in. So that's why Lance would be there to be Van der Vaught's understudy, and then Chamberlain could just learn off a pair of them. But instead, he's been thrown at a deep end, and like what he was saying, you know, a lot of times I've seen Edinburgh, their attacking play has been very disjointed. Uh, there's been a lot of you know, um, patterns that have been run and passes have gone behind people uh, or, you know, dummy runners have cut in front of passes and hit the pass out of the way. Um, so I think it has been a... Uh, it has been very much a season of transition. Um, but I don't... I mean, obviously, you know, if, if someone like... I know he's on Claremont's top four shortlist or rumours are he is. Uh, and like I said, I think, there's, I think Leicester are maybe looking at him long term. Um, to come back possibly, uh, but I, I don't know. I think he's. I don't think he's in a particular rush to go. Yeah, Dougie Lowe suggests, isn't he? Uh, in uh, Cock is in next in line for the uh, England job. Could be. You've got to think. Rob Baxter is Rob Baxter is the man in the hot seat for that if he wants it. Yeah, the question is whether he wants it. Yeah. Just imagine like Cocker's being the less. Arrogant and annoying manager you could bring in. As well. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite an achievement. <laughs> I like Cockers, by the way. I think he's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't like Eddie Jones. Though. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the, the issue he's had, he's sort of got this this season to try and bring through as many players like he did sort of his first kind of two years in charge of the the young guys that he's got now, so that when he gets his whole squad back fresh and start of a new season, um, I guess his his aim is to make as many, you know twice as many players that are good enough to play for Scotland because Tooney can't steal them all. And, you know, that, that I guess, is the hope of, you know, if if Edinburgh and Glasgow have both got double their the number of players who could play international rugby, you're still going to lose the same amount of players, but you've got another, the spine of another team there that's ready to take over. And this season, I think we've seen neither club really has that, whether it's due to, you know, injuries or other players moving on. 
There's an interesting question is that the other, the other podcasters, so rugby lads are obviously watching on Twitter. Hello to them. Uh, who said, will attack coach Duncan Hodge be collateral damage? I, I mean, there's something in that because, of course, Duncan Hodge has been around them for a long time. And if, like you were saying, if, if, if the attack is the issue, Ian, that players are running into each other and don't seem to know what they're doing, then that's potentially where Ember need to look then is the is the coaching and the people that, you know, he's been there long enough. Is there not another young, you know, Scottish coach that could come in and do a different job at Edinburgh? That's not for me to say, but, um, you know, his, his short tenure as head coach wasn't terrific, was it? Yeah, haven't seen an attack coach this ineffectual since Scott Johnson's attack coach. <laughs> and look what whatever happened to him yeah speaking of scott johnson's uh no it's andy robinson's former attack coach oh sorry that joke would work better if i'd got it right <laughs> <laughs> speaking of andy robinson's former attack coach um let's talk about italy and scotland at the weekend uh scotland with a historic win apparently according to the email i got from the sru against italy 52 10 i don't was it historic and that's the biggest win scotland have had over italy then is that i think it was yeah like a six nations win yeah biggest six nations win of scotland Uh, yeah it would be yeah Yeah. um rattle come on (laughs) um it's a difficult game because i'm not i'm not really sure what it taught us other than for maybe the, the, the pessimists amongst us, Rory, that Scotland you know, aren't as bad as people have maybe thought. And those games against Ireland and Wales were, you know, much closer and Scotland are there or thereabouts because I think aside from France, we're the only ones that have stuck 50 plus on them. Yeah, I mean, in terms of keeping keeping the hype train rolling, the, that was the result that we needed to maintain our internal belief in in this group of players because there was quite a lot of people pointed out that's um it's a sort of no win no win game that against Italy you either if you lose then it's you know Armageddon coaches getting fired uh, but if you don't win by enough it's just well look whatever everyone else stuck 40 40 points on Italy and you guys you know won with a drop goal in the last minute so you know you're not as good as you say you are so for Scotland to actually go out and hammer them put more points on them than anybody else did was, ex- you know, was exactly what we needed to hear. Um, I think, you know, they're still not going to give give the boys a chance over in Paris. But for us to have the belief that the boys can go and get a result in Paris, I think it was a uh, is exactly what we needed to see. Um, apart from the shaky start, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even even with the shaky sh- the shaky start. I don't necessarily think that you know the things like the Stuart Hogg at ten experiment Ian showed us anything other than that he looked like a 15 playing 10 a world-class 15 playing 10 and that he did a good enough job but there were times where he looked a little bit out of position a little bit hurried and maybe was kind of I don't know whether you know there must be pressure on his thinking of his you know his normal instinct would be to take things to the line but he's maybe having to think about giving a pass instead there was a couple of times where he kind of seemed to run into other players it wasn't it was good enough for Italy because it's only Italy like we said in the preview podcast but it it's not something I'd want to see repeated. No, there was a, a wee passage where Sean Maitland stepped in the first receiver, so like Hogg could go back to his normal kind of. <laughs> I'll, I'll sit in the line somewhere over here. That's what I usually do. It's usually, the <laughs> other guy that gets this. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, he, he did what he had to do, but 
I mean, obviously as well, if you look at the Hugh Jones try, he maybe popped up and because of his speed, he maybe pops up in places that that Finn Russell or Adam Hastings wouldn't pop up in. Um, but like, you know, like we, we said all along, it's only Italy. Um, and uh, I mean, they, they were just woeful, really. It's mm. it's sorry to see how how slow they're going down. Um, I mean, if, second try, they they are ambling back after a set piece, and that's why Maitland's got that you know that opportunity to weave through a couple of tackles, and all that time you've got like Garbisi and Varney, you know, covering flanks. You know, they're not meant to be anywhere near there. Where are the people who are? Covering those areas, you know, where, where are your wingers? Um, it, it was all a bit too easy, uh, and Hog could play a sort of free role as he as he wished because anyone could have taken the first would pass they, and, what, and done somewhere what, else. What do they call it in football? False nine. Oh Is yeah, you have a Firmino sort of thing. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe more say the. the uh, the, the the classic playmaker number ten role just yeah. floating about. Or you know, you see it people say, Oh, he's just playing on a free role. That's is that when you played you used to play championship manager back in the day and you could select that, yeah. couldn't you? You could say you can just have yeah. a free role and they just pitch uh, up anywhere on the pitch. Yeah. Harry Keel was good at that. He had him as uh, sort of left wing. Uh, Kennedy Bakiruku was another one who was very good at that. Oh yes, the sort of Swedish Turkish <laughs> guy, wasn't he? Aye. Yeah. Uh, I, um, Mazzu- I played it too, but I don't Mazzu- remember any of the player names. <laughs> but I did get Inverness Calic this to the final of Europe, so you know. Was that through a long season, Rory, or was that did you cheat and get the editor and kind of? Cause I, I mean, I had Ronaldo playing for Berwick Rangers at one point because I had the editor, and he he requested a transfer straight away. No, I don't think we did. I mean, I was in a flat with a bunch of computer science students, but I don't think we. Uh, I don't think there, there was any shenanigans. It just it was played every night for months and months on end. It just you waited around long enough. They they wanted to sign for you anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose the question is then what did we learn from the Italy game? I mean, there's a lot of people calling for Scott Steele to start against France. I'm not sure that you know, he had a good game, but a lot of the passes were going above the heads. There was the box kicking, like you said, Ian, was over there, you know, this kind of like weird spin round 360 degrees and kick it over your head. You know, he, he took his try well. He's obviously very strong, but I thought Ali Price made a real difference when he came on the pitch, Rory, and you know, especially with that break and the one hand offload out the tackle to Duhan. Yeah, I think it was a, a pace thing, but there's that old thing that we've, we've talked about before. Was it just because he was off the bench that he made the other guy look slow? Um, it certainly seemed to improve, but there were plenty of people who, on on Twitter and stuff who seemed to think it, you know that he didn't didn't improve. Um, yeah, I, I I think Price will start against. Uh, Against France, that's the you know Price Russell is the is the kind of pair. Um, this was sort of a an aberrant selection, and um, yeah, I mean it's been a bit of a disappointment that we've not seen the likes of say Sam and Dalgo Klein get a run, but you know he wasn't picked, so can't do much about that. Yeah, and I suppose the the other um, thing, Ian, because I suppose because of the two back to back six day turnarounds, this is this was a little bit of a stuck together team and that, that you know the, there are people who are obviously going to play both games but there are also those that were maybe stuck in to give everyone a rest i think hugh jones is maybe one of those and he he certainly took his chance but i'm 
attacking wise, he was absolutely fine. The defense didn't necessarily suffer, but again, it's only Italy, so I'm not sure that we learned that he's, you know, he's a better option than Chris Harris. But maybe you know they're now level pegging for that thirteen shirt or the or a utility back bench spot. Yeah, I think it's going to be treated as uh, a horses for courses um, kind of option for Townsend. I mean, Harris obviously he's picked Harris for I think it was maybe nine or ten games in a row. He'd either up with him, um, but then Hugh Jones has come in and he has certainly taken that chance. I thought he was brilliant on Saturday. I gave him man of the match, sorry, player of the match. Better check myself there. Oh, I'm uh, waiting to you. You're not giving me time oh, to do the. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. There we go. Player of the match. Um, we do know that they offer different things. You know, Harris is sort of defensive backline leader. Uh, when he runs, it's going to be straight and hard. Whereas Hugh Jones is going to like run onto things at angles, and he can swerve past anyone. Um, I just feel like Hugh Jones is in such good form you possibly shouldn't drop him um, and I think as well like we know what France are going to be like with Sean Edwards being defence coach they are going to blitz up and also they know what they are sort of they, they know what they have to achieve in order to win the title they're going to come out for us early doors if Hugh Jones can step past one and, you know, if they're rushing it too quick, if they create a dog leg, there's no one else you would, you'd probably rather want finding that gap. Him or Hogg, maybe, you know, they'll, they will, they'll be able to find these B gaps and run through them. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very, it's, he's really given Townsend a, a hard call to make. I suppose the other question then, Rory, is, uh, hooker is the big question going into the weekend. Fraser Brown has been called back in the squad, and we saw against Ireland when the you know when the lineout's not firing, you just haven't got an attacking platform at all, and you're on hiding to nothing. I mean, it's maybe maybe looking back at it, it's Scotland were incredibly lucky to end that game what three points down rather than more because they're just we're getting no ball at all. So I, it's you know Dave Cherry did did the job that a hooker needs to do. Plus, you know, we had that astonishing run down the line as well at one point. Yeah. Um, would you, I mean, I'm kind of thinking that I can see Townsend sticking with Dave Cherry because, you know, the line, and to a certain extent, the line actually kind of stuttered a little bit when George Turner came on. Yeah, I mean, a uh, friend of the pod, Sam Larner, uh, put a tweet out just before we went on air there. Um Dave Cherry hit 32 rucks, which was the highest in the round. He carried for 51 metres, which was the second best amongst any type five players this round. He scored two tries, and that was in 49 minutes. So he's not bad going for a, for a, for an old guy. So uh, yeah, I would say I think he I think he did enough to to start. There's been little really between the hookers. Um, I mean, I'd probably just start Dave Cherry because he keeps my heart rate lower. Yeah, in terms of in terms of set piece and clear outs at rucks and um, I mean, yeah, the the France game is. I don't think Scotland France is going to be the same level of intensity as Wales v France because they need to keep the ball alive and we kind of want to keep the ball alive as well. It could be a, an amazing game, um, but I think it will we'll see it slightly slightly differently. Um, 
So, I mean, I guess there's maybe an argument that Turner maybe suits that kind of an, a more open game, uh, unless for some reason we decide we were going to try and shut France down. But I can't see that happening because we probably want to, you know, we're going to want to win as well, which is going to mean scoring tries if it's France we're talking about. The um, Kevin Miller put out a tweet because there's, there's various different possible outcomes of this game. It's mad, it's mad how many different outcomes there possibly are to this. We've got. Um, I'm going to try and find the tweet now that Kevin did it. It did. Um, this one on the it's one on the blog on the the post about the player release. Uh, we've got, yeah. that tweet. There we go. So we've got, I've got it here. Um, so if neither team score uh, score a try bonus point um scotland need to win by eight or more points to finish second anything less than four points they end up fourth if scotland get a try bonus point then it doesn't matter how many more points we win by as long as we win we'll end up second if france get a try bonus point then we have to still and we don't then we have to win by more than five points to end up third and if both sides get a try bonus point, then we have to win by eight or more to end up second. So there's a lot in it for Scotland. For, for, it's not necessarily a dead rubber for Scotland because the difference between fourth and second, Ian, is, well, I think it's, you know, we're talking millions of pounds in terms of money for the SRU plus history beckons for Scotland because we, we've never finished second in the Six Nations before. No, with um, Dave, during the, uh, the chat with. Finn and Steve Tandy earlier. Uh, second place would be the best we've ever finished. Um, obviously, there's a good few variables in there. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much the prize money is. Um, do you have a breakdown? I don't know if it would be. That's a weird thing. I don't, like, think there is, the... I don't know if there is an official breakdown. It's just kind of one of these things that journalists right. talk about. It's a difference of 1.5 million, but I don't know that there's actually... Uh, I've been seeing one for the Champions Cup uh, for a couple of years ago and the the difference between sort of quarterfinals and well, let's just say it wasn't it wasn't Champions League money. Let's just say that much. Um, um, but I think it would be more of a sort of prestige thing. Um, but I, I mean, the fact of the matter is, like we've said, you know, the, the teams are so close. Uh, but as somebody mentioned on the Scottish Rugby Forum, you know, he'd put up all these permutations, but uh, England finished fifth, so. That's always something to, to cheer us on. Well, so, if, we, um, if we finish second, we can lord it over England and Ireland, which would be a very rare... Lording it over Ireland would be particularly fun, but... Uh, but, they, but they did beat us. They'll just point that out. They're very I pragmatic would, in their argument. Yeah, I but we uh, played pish, so... <laughs> I would rather that we I would rather that we ended up more than one place above England because that somehow gives us better bragging rights. It's funnier, yeah. It's funnier <laughs> to be more than one place above. Uh, I found it on rock.com. Uh, Rock have got this. So uh, sixth place gets one million. Fifth place gets one point five million. Fourth place gets two million. Third, you get two point five. Second, three point five. And if you get the Grand Slam, you get six million. Oh, so that's maybe you know half of the. Oh, that was that was a big awards committee. Yeah, so that was a big two minutes in Paris the other night. Then yeah, <laughs> potentially <laughs> cost uh, the the WRU what a couple of mil. Uh, it doesn't say what you get. You get first, it says six million. You get the grand slam. Next year, lads, we're having five tests in the autumn. <laughs> oh, apologies to all our thousands of new Welsh fans that we're now mocking. Wales, yeah. Um, please support us at the weekend. 
Um, the other thing, and we're gonna, I'm gonna. If Don't you, make them, Cammy. <laughs> if you are listening to this on the uh, audio podcast afterwards, then what we're gonna do, we're gonna, you're gonna hear from Finn Russell now talking about um, the impact that losing five, um, you know, only being able to select, I think five Premier League England based players has had on the squad, um, particularly the loss of Sean Maitland. So. If you, if you listen on the audio podcast, you'll hear that now. Oh, I think it's tough. You know, this is a, a one-off occasion that this this will happen with with COVID. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what what the, you know if it's fair, unfair. I'm not sure. We've just got to kind of prepare as best we can with the players we've got. Um, and there will be a few boys who are you know who are gutted that they're not able to be involved in this game. You know, Sean, he's been involved for most of the games in the Six Nations. Jamie Batty, he was back up getting in the game. Um, but you know we, we we can't think about that as a group of players. We've just got to get ourselves prepared as, as best as best we can going into the game at the weekend. And you know if we, as a group of players and, and as a squad, if we sit back and look at ifs and buts, you know it's not fair. It is fair and, and all this kind of stuff. That'll just um, you know be detrimental to our, our performance at the weekend. And we need to be solely focused on the game and who with who we've got. Um, no, so I've not spoken to Sean. I saw him on this Sunday when he when he even. We we found out which five players when they were staying up, and he you know, he was gutted. Um, and Batty, he got a chance that he was maybe going to be able to stay up from Bath, but then I don't think he was allowed. Um, so that, again, I've, I've not spoken to either of them, um, but maybe catch up with Batty the next couple of days. I'll tend to play PlayStation with both of them, so it might be on that that I'll catch up with them instead of actually calling them and having a chat like that. Um, so yes, yeah, so I've, I've not spoken to them since they left. It's only been like a day or two days. Um, and yeah, he didn't really notice it. it was kind of unlucky, sort of. I don't know. You don't know. It's not like he's been dropped from the team. It's just the, the rules haven't allowed him to to stay. Yeah, no, he will be a, a very big uh, loss for us. Um, France are, you know, Bruce Doolan's really good in the air, um, and that's one of Sean's strengths going up in the air and potentially winning balls back or knocking the back. Um, you know, we're lucky that uh, that we've got Darcy and Doolan. Um, he'll be able to cover for him, and we've got other boys that can cover there if we need. Um, which is again that that then might seep into the, the decisions that Gregor's made depending on who which home based players he's got. But I think for us and, and for Sean it's a big disappointment not having him here this week. He's, he's great for the team. Um on the field and off it as well, he's a big character off the field for us and he's one of the more experienced guys, so he brings a lot um, in training and, and in the game, so it'll be a loss for us. A lot of people put this as their hands in the rock, it's probably worth touching on now. It we don't know. There's been no official statement, Ian. We were talking about this before we came on. There's been no official statement as to exactly what's been agreed, other than the Six Nations have agreed with Premier League Rugby, which includes Saracens, although they're in the Championship, to release a number of players for this game for Scotland. And we've now found out that that is limited in the number of players that we can have, which has meant that Sean Maitland has gone back to his club, presumably because Gregor Townsend feels like he's got enough cover in that position, but it would have been maybe nice to have had the luxury of being able to pick who we want. It would be nice to have the luxury to, yes, it would be nice to have the luxury to pick the players who are deserving to be in the squad and um, and who would be available weren't we hamstrung by France's mistake. Um, it is an absolute joke uh, I don't know exactly how many fingers we can point and point blame at um, 
you know, if it's if the Six Nations have been too tight and agreeing to pay off more Premier League clubs, if the Premier League, I mean, you think it would maybe be, I mean, the Premier League aren't solely one committee, uh, and obviously more are affected than others. You know, Exeter would, when it had um, Johnny Gray being available, they, they could potentially miss four players if Hidalgo Klein had been called up. Um, so, yeah, this whole thing, it, it devalues the competition way much more. I mean, you look at the Open Nations Cup when France had to play a sort of second, third string team, and that had been arranged between the French clubs that only, you know, they could only play X amount of minutes per player. Um, and then the Six Nations bangs on about how prestigious and old the tournament is. The Open Nations Cup was just a dirty tournament. This is proper rugby. And instead, Scotland can't pick who they want to pick. And Maitland, who I thought was brilliant on mm-hmm. Saturday, mm-hmm. and is generally one of Scotland's best players. And, you know, if I was picking our best Scotland 15 in the last 10 years, I'd have him somewhere. I'd squeeze him in on one of the wings, certainly. We can't pick him just because of some daft rule or because somebody's been too tight to cough up money. Um, I think it's absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, and really, I mean, we don't know who's coughed the money up either. We assume the Six Nations have paid Premier Rugby, but if it turns out to be the SRU have had to pay Premier Rugby, then that's scandalous given what's happened with the France squad. I mean, you can't accidentally go out for waffles during a pandemic. No, no, no. Yeah, with great difficulty anyway. Um, I think, yeah, I think if, yeah, to be honest, let's face it, based on... Um, the evidence since say roughly two weeks before the end of the World Cup, I think if if the SRU were being made to pay, there would be sort of passive aggressive uh, pressure releases being issued. Um, <laughs> so I think I think the Six Nations organisation is probably picking it up, but the you know was the SRU pay into that, so they're probably paying a sixth of the costs or a seventh if uh, CBC are soaking that up yet. Yeah, I don't know if the if their deals kicked in yet. Um, yeah, I mean, quite frankly, the French should have should have paid for it. Um, but you know, I don't want to come come over all all Donald Trump. We're going to have our match, and the French are paying for it. But um, yeah, I think uh, you know it's their it was their mistake. Um, Galtier's not really covered himself in glory this tournament, um, so hopefully that gets us a bit of uh, a bit of goodwill. Certainly, there, there'll be a bit of goodwill coming from uh, from Wales. I think this weekend. Yeah. Um, in terms of France, and we'll, we'll do, if you're a Patreon, we'll do our little mini podcast um, match preview once we know with the teams, which I think will probably be announced tomorrow, I'd imagine. It's a Friday kickoff, so we normally get them the day before, two uh, days before. Four, uh, ha- I've got a feeling it's half 12 tomorrow. I'm just going to double check. Yeah, the team's likely to be announced half 12 tomorrow, so we'll, 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 we'll do a podcast kind of with a proper match preview once we know the team's yeah. either tomorrow or, or Thursday. Half 12 um, tomorrow, yeah. It's a hard one to call, I guess, Rui, because you know we've the France have going to be gunning for it, and it's you know they they've they've been very French during this tournament in that they've had these moments. You know, everyone gets really excited about Anton Dupont, and the you know I think it looks like um, I think Ulta David did uh, put out a tweet showing that um, Intermax been in the ten vest during training, so it looks like they're back to full strength at halfback. But they haven't. 
No, they haven't been entirely convincing. They, you know, the, the discipline's still a big issue for them. It's, I guess, is whether or not Scotland can weather the storm throughout the eighty minutes. Because certainly against Wales, they showed that they can. Maybe against England, they, they they kind of faded a little bit, but against Wales, they showed that they they will play right up and to the eighty and beyond. And Scotland are going to have to be ready for that. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I mean, you do wonder if if it was the old thing about French teams travelling against the England because they definitely fell off the pace. Whereas, you know, that the last sort of 10 minutes of 20 minutes of the Wales-France game was played just at ridiculous intensity. I mean, there was all sorts of things going on and obviously there was yellow cards and red cards all over the place. Um, as somebody said on Twitter, thank heaven for, I think it was probably a Welshman, thank heaven for French second rows because you can always <laughs> rely on rely on them to just do something brain-numbingly stupid like try and tackle a guy by his eyes or, you know, a Pascal Papi, you know, assassination moment you know um yeah it, it's it's tricky because you can rely on them less to do that i mean it was almost refreshing to see them both having the brain implosion and then also having the the ability to come back from that and still play blinding rugby with 14 men uh and you know grind out that try whereas perhaps before they might you know in the pre-sean edwards either they, they might not have had that fight in them um Certainly, I would think if they're, you know, if they've got a, if they if they get if they have a good game, get two three tries on the board, and they're you know genuinely going for the tournament, I think it, it's going to be very difficult for the guys. But obviously, if they turn up the same way as they turned up at Twickenham, equally that's going to make it very difficult. France, you know, that was as good a performance as we've seen from from Scotland. Uh, be interesting to see if they can do, repeat it against decent opposition. But yeah, I mean. I'm- the big thing for me, I think, is the the, the Anton Dupont Ali Price um, matchup. Ian, I, I was on the Rock and Roll podcast, and I think I think uh, Ali Price is as good as Anton Dupont, but I don't think he's being asked to play in the same way. I've been shouted down for that, and people say it's a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is the you know I'm viewing it through tartan tinted spectacles. But he's only I mean he's, he's one assist behind Dupont. In the stats, he's made more. He's de- he's made more passes than Dupont, which would maybe suggest that he's running it less. But that would again suggest he's been asked to run it less than Dupont. Yeah, but we're not just reducing it to a numbers game here, are we? I mean, Dupont's got more tries than Price, doesn't he? So true. Um, I I would disagree that only Price three more is... tries than Ali Price, who's got none. Uh, it's just a few, yeah. Um. I, I would disagree that Price is good as Dupont. Um, I don't think Dupont's been at his best throughout this tournament. Um, but I think the main thing for me will be, uh, I mean, you know, that sounds pretty cliched, but it's obviously the breakdown. But what I think Scotland do have, I mean, when we got beat off of France a couple of years ago in Paris, you know, we had Pete Horn at ten, and it was it was just an absolutely dreadful Scotland performance. Um, but as we saw last year, uh, Jamie Ritchie, prime example, him, Watson, and Matt Ferguson have that ability to get under people's skin at the breakdown, and I think they they will be able to do that. I think one of the main things is you need to stop, um, particularly Aldrich, on the gain line. Because you know he he just managed to he manages to grind meters out and get France on the front foot. If you can stop him, I think you can stop a lot of France ball. Um, but you know they're going to have to make some changes as well with 
we we don't know. Um, I see Aki's been suspended for four weeks, I think. Um, but Valencia's disciplinary hearing hasn't been done. Uh, I, I think I think we can sneak it. I don't think we will. I think France will win, but I don't think France will. I don't think France are that much better than us that they will win the the, the Six Nations Championship ahead of Wales. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're twenty-one points better than us. I mean, it's interesting. I did. I was running some numbers earlier because um, we were kind of talking about this the other week on the podcast um, about progression under Gregor Townsend and the fact that our, our our the the margins under which we're losing are getting smaller, and and they are. I think the last. I think I looked at this in the last um, how many games under the Six Nations. So one, two. Three, four, five, six. The last six losses have been by seven points or less under Gregor Townsend. So that's in the Six Nations, which is a, 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 it's a decent run because it shows that we're, we're much more competitive than we've been in the past. Overall, in the Six Nations, and I included the draw against England. This is a loss just to kind of get the stats right. But um, his average losing margin in the Six Nations under Gregor Townsend is 9.8. It was eleven point zero nine under Vern Cotter and eighteen point four two under uh, Scott Johnson. What if you took out the fifty-three hammering by Scott Johnson? What would, could you could you quickly work that? Or I couldn't work that. No, I couldn't work that out. No. The um, Vern Cotter also would include that ridiculous beating we got off England as well. Uh, true. Yeah. yeah. Andy Robinson, to be fair, eight point six was his average losing margin, but then his his average uh, winning margin was only eight points. Is Gregor Townsend's average winning know. margin in the Six Nations is twelve point four four points. And he's probably won more than them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, overall, our losing margin under Gregor Townsend, the average game, we lose the average game by ten point four points overall, but we win them by twenty point five when we win. So there's a there's a there's a downward a definite downward trajectory under Gregor Townsend in terms of how narrowly we're losing games and an upward trajectory in terms of how many points we score when we win games. We've definitely got. Yeah. I think the Italy game show we've got that ruthless streak because I don't think we necessarily would have put into the sword in that way, Rory, that a couple of years ago. Yeah, which is exactly what we've been looking for. Um, we're sort of looking. We're looking for the sort of results that kind of mirror where the other teams are. Rather than our own particular Scottish version of beating beating Italy or losing to Wales, you know, um, losing to Wales by a point with a man down, I don't think there's. Obviously, it would be nice not to have be a man down, but I don't think there's there's too much, um, you know, too much shame to be had from that. And likewise, you know, to only lose to Ireland by three points when actually we were playing horrific rugby. Um, you know, there's something to be said that the guys managed to fight fight back from that. We've seen that probably, you know, the latter end of the kind of Greg Laidlaw years, Scotland sort of develop a bit more of a backbone. And yeah, there are still stupid results that we can't explain where they, the, you know, the team don't seem to turn up, but they're they're getting a little bit fewer and further between. And yes, we're not winning everything, but as you say, we're not losing as much or by as much. Yeah. Uh, Paul Williams says um, rugby morning's got in touch and I've confirmed this as well. He says uh, Williams has got a two-game ban, so he will not be playing against Scotland at the weekend. That would be awesome. We'll come into that. We might come. We might touch on that. We, I've got the disciplinary notes here. We might touch <laughs> on on that in hands in the ruck um, for the minute. Though we're going to going to have a quick chat about um, about this. It's the legally mandated lines chat. 
The legally mandated lion's chat We've heard so much about it that it makes us sick But we've still got a chat about who Gatlin's gonna pick Yes, it's our legally mandated Lions chat. We're getting to what technically we're at the end of the tournament, although we've still got one game to play. So it's a, it's a good chance before the France game, I think, to kind of maybe take stock of where Scotland are in the grand scheme of things. I mean, the first thing to say, I guess, Rory, is that England are fifth. So by form, and mm-hmm. Warren Gatland should only pick what three of their players for the tour? Probably. Two, and the one that two, two, if that. I noticed uh, Will Greenwood put out a team and he was like, oh, England, they're only going to pick one player. And then he said, but sorry, Scotland, it's not a team of the weekend. It's a team based on something, based on just Wales and Ireland players or something. So he's, I, I think he maybe put Hogg in or something, but he didn't pick any of the guys that had played well because, I don't know yet, I probably hadn't written it in time or something. I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was rubbish anyway. Um, but yeah, one of the guys he did pick was uh, Tom Curry who everyone seems to be picking, despite the fact that Watson made a mockery of him, you know, in their head-to-head. Yeah, he's a decent player, and there's a lot of sevens, but, I mean, yeah, it's probably... It's he's probably, probably the t- eighth in there as well. Yeah, he's probably the eighth best seven in the... In the who would be eligible for selection of the British and Irish Lions, I would guess. He's, he's way yeah, down the pecking order when you look at Ireland, Wales, and Scotland. The issue is there's just so many of them around, you know, certainly in the Premiership, there's a lot of good sevens. Um, but, yeah, but Watson Watson is almost the kind of player that ignores ignores the, the criticism that Gatlin has that Scotland players can't play well. I mean, yeah, okay, the whole team is maybe not winning away, but Watson has been consistently a standout performer in every game he's played in home and away, certainly this tournament, and, you know, a fair bit in the autumn as well, you know, regardless of results. So... If he doesn't take him, it would be both a tragedy and a travesty. Yeah, I think there was a couple of calls, Ian, and John Barkley was making on Twitter, kind of saying that Sean Maitland had maybe been in with a shout. I think that's probably a stretch given when you look around elsewhere at the kind of the, the back three options that Gatlin would be picking from across all the countries that Sean Maitland would, would have been in the reckoning. He's played well, but I'm not necessarily sure he was ever in with a shout. Yeah, I mean, he was a, a dirt tracker the last time, and I think was two times. Two, two was he? Did he play last time? Or was it that was uh, Tommy Seymour no, was last time? Yeah, so two, two, time. two, two years ago. Yep. Um, rapping. So, I, sorry, he was rapping in the video, the tour film. Maitland was rapping. I, usually, he's play guitar as well. Um, yeah, no, um, nah, he wouldn't go. Um, I think. Oh, like, funny enough, like if you're saying that there's only going to be three England players, I would say Anthony Watson would be one. But as a Maitland sort of replacement, um, there are a lot of better players. I mean, if you're trying to tell me that Johnny May's been better than Duhan van der Merwe, for example, in this tournament, no, it's not happening. Uh, I just. Just laughing at Dougie Lowe's coming. Dougie Lowe's Stephen and... Jones pick Maitland instead of hogging his squad. Madness. Fuck. You've got to get the clicks. <laughs> You've got to get the clicks and the engagement somehow, don't you? Yeah, I mean, there's there's an argument about uh, we we you know we, obviously Finn's been injured, so we've not really seen him. He's going to have to have a good a good game to to uh, 
to, to make an impact on there, especially with, you know, Dan Bigger had a pretty good game yeah. by Dan Bigger's Dan, standards at the weekend. Well, Dan Bigger's had a decent, a reasonable tournament, I would say. I'm not going to say he's amazing, but he's, he's, he's probably, because I don't think Finn's had a vintage tournament and he's obviously took a knock in the Ireland game and then, um, you know, didn't play against Italy. But just it's, yeah, the Dan Bigger's had a decent tournament. Owen Farrell hasn't. Six has been playing had a ten. Good, good game against England. But that was... I suppose the, yeah, the question is going to be, I guess, is how many, how big a squad he takes. I mean, the, the announcement today that it's definitely, well, it seems likely it's going to go ahead in South Africa, although all flights are currently suspended between the UK and South Africa, and travel advice is not to go. Um, so I don't know how the Lions yeah. are going to manage that. But financially, apparently, they've no other option than to go to South Africa. It seems. So you, I mean, you, yeah, it sort of seems. Seems like in Judge Dredd or that when he has to go out into the wilderness, but they're just like, oh, you go and go and play a test series in the zombie wasteland. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it depends. I suppose it depends how big a squad he takes and whether or yeah. not he has the luxury of being able to take three fly halves. Although if they're playing the full tour, they're going to need a you know a decent squad, I guess, to play all those games. Ian, if you're taking three fly halves, I think bigger. Bigger's been solid and consistent as he usually is, and also Gatlin loves him, so I think he'll he'll get picked. Sexton against England and against Scotland has been very very good, if not excellent, uh, particularly against England. So I think he will get the nod as a sort of last hurrah. And then he'll he'll drop him from the test team like he did with O'Driscoll. <laughs> Should be hilarious, um, but. <laughs> On form, I cannot see how he could possibly pick Owen Farrell. Um, no. yeah. I suppose if you're looking for a 10 that can fill in at 12, then you've got Finn Russell. You've got Finn Russell, yeah. Um, and if you're looking you've for... Got, a, you've got a lot of 12-13 looking... hybrids as well. Someone like Henshaw can move from 12 to 13 ring rows. Um, and if, if you're looking for a standoff who can adapt well to a scrum half that he's never played with before, or at least looks like he's never played with him before, then Stuart Ogerman. Yeah. He'll... he'll, he'll <laughs> Field passes anywhere. Oh, you know what? Uh, proper bolter, as uh, they're prone to do. Greg Laidlaw, nine ten. Yeah, yeah. Plus he's in, he's in Japan, which is convenient. Mm-hmm. Is it? No, it's it, not actually. <laughs> it's the same difference. It's, totally not, no. it's not the slightest, but you never know the journey. Yeah, go to go to Japan or somewhere for money. Flight time again. must be roughly the same, probably. Yeah, I don't I think know it, it's, the, it's the time zones. I mean, I think yeah. uh, I think uh, Duhan's got a pretty good shout of going because he is basically a Gatlin ball wing. I mean, he's like Alex Cuthbert, George Norris rolled into one. Yeah, so yeah, I actually I think, think North been playing at thirteen as well. So mm, you know. I I actually thought that Darcy might have had a reasonable chance, but I think Lewis Rees-Samet would take that position now because he's had a, a more of an opportunity to play. Although you know the fact that Darcy Graham can recover from such a, a massive hit and then go on to play 80 minutes of rugby and yeah. still be smashing into rucks in like the 60th hard, minutes. Hard as nails. Yeah. Those hike boys. I mean, it's interesting. Do you think Jones has got a chance? Because just purely based on form and the fact that there aren't really any centres who are standing out. It's that thing, isn't it? The, me, the, anyway. the sort of left field thing that Gatlin would say, which is, well, he's got experience of playing in South Africa, so we're taking him. That's that's exactly the sort of thinking that Gatland would has been prone to do. 
is Siwan. Yeah. Looking at the bigger picture, he's played against a lot of these guys before. He's played his. He's played at altitude, or something. Yeah, he's played at altitude. Yeah. He's played. He's he's used to he he's used to the environment and the culture. Yeah. So he's he's a shooting. But then I think you have got Chris Harris hasn't really put much of a foot wrong this tournament as well. And I think a lot of people have put him in their Lions teams. I would I think as a bare minimum, I'd be disappointed if we didn't get at least about eight plus players in the squad. You might be disappointed. <laughs> I don't well, say I that's think... ambitious. I think. We've got what you got, really, Russell, like, Russell, Russell, Russell Price, Duhan Hogg. There's four. Right, I'm not. Uh, I, I don't think Price will go. Do you not think Price uh, will go? Would, yeah, I just, Cammy, I've just, uh, I've done a straw poll by looking at the uh, Superbrew selection numbers just on your point earlier, and seventy-four uh, percent of people have selected Antoine Dupont and. Eight percent have selected Ali Price, so <laughs> the people have spoken. Well, we know we know what what happens. Yeah, we know. the choice. We know that's a terrible, <laughs> terrible idea. People wanted Hog at ten, and they got yeah. it, and it was it was it was entirely adequate. <laughs> Spectacularly <laughs> adequate. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think if you got if you go through, I mean, you've, I I do think Price will go because I don't see who else. Who else goes other than who are you going to I've take just, other than just any any Welsh scrum yeah, up? He'll take. Well, I, I think he, I think he might even go. I think he'll probably take Colin Murray just because, so so he can keep him with Sexton. And I, mean, I, think, should... I think he might even go Thomas Williams and Gareth Davis, even though I would only take Thomas Williams out of those two. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I mean, I'd take Cooney, but. I think if it's a big, I think if it's a big squad, we should be expecting seven or eight. If he takes a full line yeah. squad to play Valding, I think seven or eight would be a reasonable expectation. I think if he takes a smaller cut down squad, then yeah, understandably you're not going to get that many. So I think if we start from the front row, right, Suz, Xander. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think any of could get looking. I think it will be Owens. Kevin but it's part of, but it's part, but part of a squad. I think you would take. You, I think Xander would make the squad. Would make a squad. Yeah, I think Xander and Suss would make a squad. Yeah, says so two. Yeah, right. So I mean, it's a sh- it's a real shame because about probably before before the last World Cup, we, you know, McAnally and Brown were both in with a genuine shout of going, and now they're not. Yeah, yeah I think with Johnny Gray's injury, I think that's screwed his chances. And with mm-hmm. yeah. Burn playing so well because he can do five, six. Ian Henderson has also been brilliant. I think I think Cummings was making a late charge for him. I think his injury as well has probably yeah, not I helped. They've screwed I think that I think second rows have been screwed out of that. Back row, Richie and Watson. I think Richie's Richie's a Richie's a fifty fifty coffee. I think Watson you, you could you can count on Watson being in the squad. I think it would be a surprise if he wasn't. If he doesn't, then then you know. Or we right if he doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, maybe Richie a push. Maybe Richie's a half. Let's say this count him as a half because uh, there's a possibility uh, he might get in. Russell, we're still not sure about Russell. <laughs> Price, Russell. We should. I think we should go. I think we'd say he should go. So Price right, and Hogs, Russell. Hogs are and Hog, Hogs are Duhan. Hog got, and Duhan. I'm, I'm on seven. I'm on. I'm on seven and a half. So between seven and eight. Okay, well, I think Hog, Hog, Duhan, and uh, Watson should be definite, which would be. Probably more than last time, but and I think there'll be probably one or two others, but uh, it's difficult to say who they'll be. 
It depends, I suppose. The, the ultimate question is, you know, Gregor Towns said he hasn't been asked yet, but he's, you know, he he would go if he's asked. I think he's intimated that he was asked last time. Didn't so I think it's more likely than not Scotland will have better representation in the coaches' room because I don't see that. I don't necessarily see that there's a case to bring any of the England coaching setup onto a. Well, as long Good as Red Roundtree's not in it, that'll be fine. Uh, um, yeah, Mitchy Mouse said Red, um, oh, maybe yes. Red Path. Yeah. Could, I mean, Red Path could be a bolter. There's no word, in, he's not back for the France game because uh, yeah. he's not in the squad. Um, that's been announced. Bath, but... uh, Bath released an update about him a couple of days ago. Um, he's back in training, but not contact training. Right. Um, so I think he's still. A couple it's of a possible. He's a possible bolter. He's kind of one of those kind of lions. Always have a couple of bolters, don't they? They were. The, the coach throws a curveball and they always have the baby of the group as well. So there's a, a chance for Cam Redpath and Lewis Rees-Samet, I suppose, to fulfil that role. Yeah. I mean, there's guys like Sam Simmons, John Cooney, who are not getting a look in, but are potentially, you know, chances to undercut Eddie Jones. Yeah. Not in case um, something. Well, we, we'll, we'll review exactly where we are next week once we've... Um, once we've kind of know the outcome of the France game, I think that'll determine a lot of maybe the 50-50 calls for Scotland yeah, this week. I think because it's it, yeah, if Scotland go over and and get the result that that we want them to get, then that's going to go a long way to to answering questions. I think. Yeah, right. We're going to do. We've got a very special one of these now. Well, we Yes, it's where's Dougie Donnelly? Um, we, we haven't done this much recently. This is where we ask you to send in anybody you've seen tangentially linked with the world of Scottish rugby, um, seen out and about. And obviously, we, it's kind of been on hiatus because nobody's leaving their homes because <laughs> there's a pandemic going on. Um, and we've we've had what I described in our group chat as the second best one we've ever had because the best one we ever had was Dougie Donnelly with a bag for life in a Tesco car park. But actually, that jingle just reminded me we did also have Dougie, Dougie Vipon and his speed was at the Aloha Leisure Bowl, which I think just just for pure detail kind of it puts that in a second place. But um, Stephen Yunhatsi uh, um, is a listener and he's a listener in Christchurch, New Zealand. And he was at hello. the Hello to Hello in New Zealand. Um, he was at a Wiggles live show at the weekend. Now, the Wiggles, for people who don't know, are children's entertainers from New Zealand. They're from Australia, sorry, I should get the country right. They're Australian children's entertainers. They're a bit like the singing kettle, but more successful for those of, of a certain generation. Um, and he said he was at the Wiggles live show, and then this happened. Now, I've got footage of this. I found footage of this happened. This is what happened.
So um, that, for those who didn't <laughs> notice, that was Richie McCaw playing bagpipes with the Wiggles at Christchurch at the weekend. Um, as all that points out, though, I mean, Richie McCall may be a great rugby player, but he cannot play the bagpipes. Well, he can play them, but not necessarily all the notes in all the right order. <laughs> Better than so, what I can muster. I've yeah, to, to squeeze a pipe. He was, he was it mostly, in, mostly in time. Fashion. Generally, I mean, he had he had eight people standing behind him clapping, which would help. Um, there's a couple of great other details, and Stephen said he also bumped into former Emperor number eight Nasi Manu in the foyer, who was there with his daughter. Awesome, which is great. Um, and also, apparently, the Wiggles, who are Australian, uh, referred to him only as Richie McCaw, the world's greatest bagpiper, rather than referring to him as a rugby player. Which I, mean, I do enjoy that kind of level of sass. Well, he must be. He's there's there's a I can't remember. There's like a. A group that come to the the festival we have here, the Belgium Festival, which is quite a family friendly music festival. And there's a group, can't remember whether they're called Funbox or Happy Gang or something like that. But I'm trying to think what the what the equivalent would be for us, for the, the singing kettle, obviously, or the the the, the current incarnation equivalent. The singing kettle, I think, have done what like all the tribute bands, you know, what the famous bands from the 60s do when there's two or three different members, each with their own version of the band, <laughs> called like the official singing kettle and the, the real singing kettle. Yeah. I think one of the, the the male founding member of the singing kettle is now a radiographer, I believe. <laughs> I think was that he, not one of the basic rulers or was he a hospital porter? Possibly, and one of the basic rulers was something else. But you well, got we'll that, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know what the basic rules have been up to since bus driver was one. Did one become a bus driver or something? Well, that's maybe we'll maybe save that for our basic rulers podcast. <laughs> Coming soon. Yeah. So that's the uh, yeah that's our third greatest Wes Doogie Donnelly ever. Richie McCall playing the bagpipes with the Wiggles on stage. Um, if you do see anybody out and about, because the world's about to open up again. So if you do see anybody out and about, then let us know and we'll we'll, we'll read it out on the podcast. Um, let's move on. We'll, we'll do this now. Yes, it's Hands in the Rock time or any other business uh, section of the podcast. Um Rory, while I get some of the Facebook ones up, what's had its hands in your rock this week? Good question. Uh, we, if we're not doing fantasy league, I can uh, just well, we can that do in. fantasy. We, we well, we can do well. What could you want me to do the fantasy league jingle for your fantasy league? Have you got hands in the rock for fantasy league? Not really, but yeah, it's kind of kind of fantasy league is uh, not being able to drop Mario Otoji. That's my <laughs> that's my hands in the rock because I've been I've had, I picked him at the start and and he was rubbish and that it didn't occur to me to drop him and then by the time I wanted to drop him the French had been eating waffles and uh, and I had to swap so many Scots and French because they are the core of my team uh, because my fantasy team plays rugby the way I want to see it played rather than necessarily who's going to play score the more most points um, and I couldn't get rid of my Rotoji by that point but I can finally drop him now for this last round because. They're doing a, an extra round where you can have a team made up of Scottish and French. So it will be like the ultimate my fantasy team because it will be just the, the best of each, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I should say congratulations to David, who's 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 leading um, at the moment on a, a thousand and one points. 
um, who should, you know, we'll see how he does at the weekend, but he's, he's, he's in the lead at the moment. I, I was leading in the first week and then the second week, I forgot to do my team. So I've dropped way down to 54th because not picking the team in the second week will do that to you. Yeah. I've killing that. my team this week. Um, yeah. I had quite I, a good I, week. I keep leaving players who score better on the bench. Like, I, like, like Rory, Maro Toji has been a, you know, just a, a nightmare. And I think the one week I did drop him is when he scored to try against France. Yeah. So, you know, Maro Toji, the rugby player, and Maro Toji, the person, are just winding me up right now. You, you've shot up, uh, to be fair, we, Rory, you've shot up 21 places to 47 this week, Rory, so you've had a good week. It was uh, my devastating midfield of Rumi Wakatawa and uh, Hugh Jones as captain, who scored like 50-something points by himself. Yeah, I went... If I, if I hadn't picked Jones, I would have been nowhere. Yeah, I got Duhan on 36.5, but I went I think, for Cobb. I went for, like, Cobb. I went for Hogg as my captain, which is a mistake. In terms of like metres per minute, Hugh Jones must be well top of the Six Nations table. He's he's so rapid up off the off the mark. He's sort of the opposite of Maitland, who sort of gets up to speed like a like a Rolls Royce or something. He, Jones is like a supercar. We'll make this um sort of related. This is my hands in the rock because I didn't actually have one um until this very moment. Um, I was looking for the the official stats on the Six Nations website. They have uh, they've gone on about Hamish Watson. They said, "Oh, he made twenty-one carries for X amount of meters," and then you go down to the stats, and it says he's only made sixteen carries and less meters than what they've said. I was like, "Hang on, how, where are you getting your data from that you can put it in an article?" And then on the same article, you've got something completely different from your official statisticians. Yeah, it doesn't matter that the stats don't really make much sense. I think they get updated as well because you get the, when you go in the match packs, you get the post match report and then the match I report. I think this was yesterday. I checked it though, so it's like yeah. You think they would have updated it, you know? If because that's, I, I actually thought Glasgow's uh, the Glasgow Dragons game was the last match, so I'd written a sort of this has been a pretty crap season thing, and then I realised we've got another game next week. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just go ahead and ask for paragraph. Nobody will notice. It's fine. Um, so yeah, so if you did notice that. Um, yeah, I'm admitting to it now. Uh, so, f off. <laughs> I think we uh, should put all that, all that's cleared something up. Yeah, in the comments. It's the thumb box. That's what I was thinking of. Thank you, all up. The thumb box. Um, We've got um, Dougie Lowe says his hands in the rock. He says, I know it's Sexton who was the victim and generally deserves all he gets, but how in the hell has Genge not been cited for that elbow forearm in his face? Uh, I think he admitted that he'd done it as well. Well, I this, well, yeah, he did admit he'd done it because Johnny Sexton complained to the referee uh, saying he elbowed me in the face, sir. And Ellis Genge said, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I did yeah. do it. Shouldn't and that's the, only reason, that's the only reason why I think he probably hasn't been cited because you can only get cited if the referee doesn't know about it, right? Oh, the referee hasn't spotted it. So if you go up to the referee and say, I've elbowed him in the face, and the referee doesn't do anything about it, then you can't be cited. But surely it's a double jeopardy, it, isn't it? Could this be a new tactic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although somebody, um, I, I think it's maybe Rugby Lad or one of these, you know, one of these like rugby pages that pop up on your Facebook timeline. Um, apparently someone said that that was Genge getting revenge for his uh, testicles being squeezed. I don't know if it's by Sexton or someone else, but apparently that had happened, and uh, that's why they didn't want to 
like Genge was sort of encouraging it or wind it back. So he's like, aye, then you can see me getting getting Joe Marler treatment. Yeah. The other the other hands in the rook is um uh, Ollie Galloway said Stephen Ferris tweeting about rugby turning into a farce. When was I gouging okay? Yeah. I didn't I didn't I think Fabian Galtier has come out and said you can see the reaction of the Wales players. They they do very well to earn red cards, which sounds like a really childish thing. It's like stop putting your eye on my finger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can you, you can sort of this is it's you can see how the conspiracy gets started because it's not Win Jones every time. Has he not like got three red cards or something? But that one, Two. the guy had the guy was like that, pulling him back. I mean, you could. Uh, so the, the disciplinary committee's come out this evening. So it says um, it first decided there was insufficient evidence that Mr. Williams had made contact with the eye. As for the admitted contact with the eye area, so he's admitted he's made contact with the eye, but the disciplinary what? committee found there's insufficient evidence that he made contact with the eye. So as for the admitted contact with the eye area, the disciplinary committee determined that Mr. Williams had acted recklessly and not intentionally and that there was no evidence of injury having been caused and found the offence to warrant the low entry point of four weeks. The disciplinary committee identified no aggravating features. In terms of mitigation, the disciplinary committee gave credit for Mr. Williams' prompt acceptance that his actions could constitute foul play and be worthy of a red card. His attitude to the disciplinary process before and during the hearing kept his mic on mute, that's what I'm assuming, and his clear remorse and reduced the suspension by two weeks, so the final period is two weeks. Um, they've determined it should cover the uh, France v Scotland, and in good news for Glasgow, also the Montpellier Glasgow match. So he's free so, to play after the Glasgow match. So usually, when the guy admits the crime, and then the the authorities say, "You know, you didn't do it," usually he's covering for someone else. But there's no way that he's covering <laughs> for anyone else. We can all see he has no. his hands on the guy. So he's admitted it, and they've just said, "No, we don't believe you, mate." <laughs> What's what, what's good? What's good conduct in a disciplinary process during and after a hearing with it's on Zoom? I'm thinking is what that you you unmute your mic promptly, and then start talking rather than starting talking and everyone has to tell you that you're on mute. He's had a bucket load of delivery biscuits sent round. Yeah, and he's not chomping them. <laughs> you know, he's he's put his microphone on mute while he's eating. Um, no, what the I mean the, the opening. Sentence just completely yeah. contradicts itself, and I mean, oh, did you see the uh, the Blair Kinghorn knock on incident in the Edinburgh game? Uh, towards the oh, oh yeah, the, I did actually, yeah, with the where he kicked right. it, gathered it, and then dropped it on. I mean, he was he wasn't going to gather it for long. He knew he was going to knock it on if he yeah. didn't do something, but he did still have it, dropped it onto his foot, and kicked it. Yeah, but so it's completely more. He had much more control of that. Than uh, Reece Samet did for the, the controversial try against England. Mm-hmm. He knows that if he takes contact, he's going to drop the ball. So he drops it on his toes. It was actually a very clever play by Kinghorn. And then that gets called as a knock on. But Lewis Reece Samet, who had no control of the ball whatsoever, deflects it onto his leg off of his hand. That's not called a knock on. There are some real consistency issues. Um, and. I mean, four, four weeks for contact with the eye. Even if it, I mean, I, I know it's like the lowest grades, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the are they maybe saying that they it's they don't think it was it was malicious? But I, I don't think intent comes into it, really, does it? Touched his eyelid rather than the ball. Yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't trying to gouge 
gouge him or anything, but you know, it was a stupid place to put your arm, your hand when you're trying to clear someone out of a ruck. Yeah, so he's already trying to like he's already getting pulled for the neck roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these eyes of you know his fingers are going up towards the eye area. Yeah, <laughs> really, um, really crap suplex. Yeah, My and there was almost the... uh sorry, there was almost uh Hog almost got Brian O'Driscoll as well getting spear tackled off camera in the eighth of the game, didn't he? Mm. But they, they uh, caught it, Lani, Yeah, yeah. And yellow card, and then there was the um, clear on the head on the line, and they, which is would be a red card in any other game where the team went like forty points yeah. down, and the referee felt something clearly just felt sorry for them because they already had two people in the bin at that point. Yeah. And he thought I can't reduce them down by another person with a red card, but it was a, it was like full on smashed in the head. Yeah, I mean it's completely pointless as well because you're not going to move them out from that lower position. No, it's just you're just going in to try and hurt someone. You can't you can't bring sympathy into when you're a referee when it's a headshot. Um, my hands in the ruck is um, rugby Twitter or certain people rugby Twitter calling for kind of verification of all social media accounts. I know it's terrible that all the players get abuse and stuff and ta- you know tagging people in criticism and abusive tweets is never a good thing. But I, I think it's a it's a bit ridiculous to start. It's a bit kind of like baby out of the bathwater when there's people who need anonymity online for various reasons for whistleblowing and stuff like that. Just because some rugby players get some abuse, all of a sudden everybody has to be ver- have a verified account, and there's all sorts of petitions to Parliament and stuff. It just seems it's people writing from a very privileged position. I think that they've you know that they shouldn't receive abuse online. Nobody should, but at the same time, there you know there are reasons why some people need to remain anonymous. I guess an- anonymity is not necessarily the same as public verification. I guess the, yeah. the, the issue is the is the tr- do you trust Twitter or whoever to keep the records secure that says that this person is verified but doesn't reveal their identity? Yeah, and either they won't give them up or that someone won't be able to access those records to find out who yeah. you are. So, yeah, I can see that. I think especially when you look at oppressive regimes across the world where social media is being a useful tool in people being able to speak out without fear of reprisals just because Liam Williams had a hard time on Saturday night because he'd got yellow carded isn't a reason to to overturn all of that but at the same time I see that you know I can see the argument that if you you know maybe verification should be open to more people and then you can choose as a you can choose as a rugby player to only see tweets from other verified accounts or let other verified people reply to your tweets yeah, to be trustworthy, to be seen as trustworthy or not. Yeah. So I think, I mean, the sort of simplest answer would just be as if social media companies would actually take responsibility for the content, you know, for the the, the abusive and harmful content that's put on their their platforms, and actually pulled their thumbs out of their asses and pulled it down. Well, it's um, kind of face, Facebook have guys come out today to say that Facebook have said that death threats against celebrities are okay <laughs> under their internal guidance. Because See, they're, they're public figures. Now, somebody who'd... Now, the Scottish Rugby Forum, we've had a couple of group warnings for people even just saying stuff like, uh, oh, a bunch of English arseholes or whatever, you know. Which, again, they should be writing. And these people have been canned. Um, you know, that's given us group warnings. Uh, and somebody who actually works for Facebook... Um, who I think I can I think he tried to help us out when I managed to get our entire page shut down. Um, he, <laughs> I was just going to mention that they, they, they had been very 
things had been very, very, um, the settings had got very, very sort of delicate uh, ever since the capital storming. Um, but it's like, yeah, you can slag a celebrity like all you want, but you just can't say something nasty about someone else. Um, yeah. Which is slightly strange. <laughs> but then, you, just... you know, then you can, I mean, surely you'd think these algorithms would, as soon as you see, you, you know, hate words. Even if they're misspelt, I'm sure they could flag them. Yeah. You know, we've got keyboard searches for for comments know, on the yeah, on the blog. Yes, yeah. so you know, I mean, surely if, if one of them pops up, you're like, best have somebody just check the context I, of this. Yeah, I do think the flip side of that as well is that you know, I saw Josh Gardner from Blood and Mud was getting a hard time because he'd criticised Liam Williams, and made a bit of a joke, but he hadn't tagged him in it. And I do think there's a difference between you know, you should be able to. You know, he wasn't calling them anything particularly rude. He was making a joke about the fact that he'd kind of cost Wales the match, and people that's... were kind of calling him out for it, saying, "Well, you know, you 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 shouldn't be abusive to players." Like, well, you're not being abusive. You're talking about him rather than to him. And I think there's a there's a there's a massive difference in that. If 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 a family member or someone happens to name search or it pops up on someone's timeline, that's unfortunate. But that's that's kind of just the nature of public discourse. As opposed to directly at it, you know, tagging someone and which is the same as saying it to the face, I guess. Are the words Adam and Ash marching towards this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, you know, this all seems a bit familiar. Um, I, I, I was polite. You were polite yeah, in your you were, reply. You were, to yeah. Very diplomatically no, put. Everyone was very diplomatic. I, I, I like Adam Ash, or I certainly did. I just don't approve of him retweeting the words of liars and racists. Um, Which is fine, and that's okay. That's an okay opinion to have, and you didn't directly say it to him. You said it in a conversation with someone else, and he happened to... I think this was in the parlance of Twitter. He overheard because he jumped into the thread. Mm. I I think it was on on reply to Kevin, uh, something Kevin Miller written. And when I saw he'd replied... I slightly bricked myself a bit. Um, like, he's, he's in like, LA, he can't touch you. He's, he's very tall, though. Um, <laughs> so I thought, oh my God, if I accidentally, you know, was uh, was he tagged in Kevin's original tweet? Because obviously I wouldn't, you know, if I was going to talk, I, I wasn't this thing, I wasn't even talking crap about him. I just said I didn't, I didn't appreciate things he'd said. I would probably have taken him out of it in a reply just because. You know, because he doesn't need to hear people saying crap about him. Although, although I wasn't saying crap about him, I was just going, I disagree with him on this matter. But he seemed to take it well. Yeah. I thought, yeah. He was like, come on, I'm not that bad. It's, it's healthy to question things. I'm like, yeah, it's fine to question things. Just, you know, get your answers from the right place. Not Katie Hopkins. <laughs> no, 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 she's an arsehole. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think there's I think there's that as well. I think some people take it too far and then take kind of genuine criticism or even just, you know, the odd joke about people as being abusive when it's not I think it's not directed at somebody unless it's you know outright racist or something. I think it's fine. It's fine to otherwise you know, it you can take be things too far. And... I like when I said Matt Carley had a big pluck on his nose. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. As soon as once we Is he? I don't know who is the rep of the weekend. I have to go and. Oh, I thought you said he is the rep of the weekend. He might. He might be. I'm not sure. I'm going to go and check. Check uh, Kev's preview. If it's Roman Platt, that would be hilarious. Well, it won't be a Frenchie (laughs) because we're playing. Yeah, no, but well, you you think the Pro 14 care about such rules? Why would the Six Nations um, bother? 
Although Matt France Carley... is in lockdown now, isn't it? France well, is yeah, it. was Matt Carley the referee for Wales France at the weekend? No, no, no that was Luke, Luke Pierce. Pierce. Yeah, his Pierce his positioning well. is absolutely terrible. Oh, it's Wayne, it's Wayne Barnes. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Oh, we fine. Oh, did you see Sam Matt Scott running, running into like Pascal Gozer? That was <laughs> glorious. <laughs> so, like, like Hogg had, like, at one point, because they turned into Hogg, but Sam Skinner, like, Sam Skinner's quite a big boy. He has caught Gozer right in the chin with his shoulder. <laughs> I wasn't sure that Gozer was entirely okay after that. <laughs> I know he was going to He's a little bit wobbly. Oh. <laughs> HIA. He, he got knocked, knocked a couple of times, did he not? Yeah, yeah. one point he turned yeah. into Hogg when he was talking about a penalty. Um, yeah. And Platt got Platt. rattled over like three yeah. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luke Pierce at times was just he was at the back of the Welsh ruck when they were attacking the line at one point, just completely in the way. And it just he just didn't really seem to be able to find like a, a place to stand where he wasn't like in the way. In the road. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was just so desperate not to kind of go to TMO, but then he went to Wayne Barnes over everything anyway. Who's the TMO? Who's the uh, the weekend? Uh, Tom Foley of England. So we've got a full, is it full England contingent uh, then for like in Matt, a bubble? Matt Carley and Andrea Piardi of Italy are the assistants. Ah, okay. Well, we've got Wayne Barnes. Wayne Barnes is on it's, it's good because we've we've worked to the point where we are now our players are now on first name terms with Wayne Barnes, which always is great. You have to get to. You have to get to, whereas there was that game against Ireland a few seasons ago where he called us by numbers. It's like blue seven and blue six and blue one. Yeah. And now it's all of a sudden he calls him, I think he might even call, refer to Hamish Watterson as Mish. Now. Do you think that, that shows you where you stand with Wayne Barnes? If he, if he ever calls him pinball, we, we've made it. We've made it, that's it, yeah. Um. Anyway, we'll um we'll leave it there for this week. We'll be back either tomorrow or Thursday for Patreons with our wee match preview. Um, and then we'll be back next week with a full proper podcast to look back at the France game and we'll maybe do a Six Nations recap. It depends on how the France game goes. If the France game goes really well, we'll just do the France game and then we'll do a full Six Nations recap the week after. If the France game goes badly, we'll just do a Six Nations recap next week. And pretend it never happened. Yeah, so we'll see how things go. Um, don't forget to follow us on social media Tell your friends, tell your family. Sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast um, to get the ad-free content, mini episodes, and exclusive content. And visit the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk for match reports and more. Uh, But for the moment, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Rory and Ian. Ciao. Goodbye.